podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Nick. And I'm Imran. We are here on Friday recording. Uh, we thought about recording after the Fulham game on Sunday, but it doesn't mean that much since our top four was confirmed yesterday. Uh, we've got a couple of games to talk about. Obviously, the Chelsea game last night and also the Bournemouth game before that. We'll also have a look at what's going on with the end of the Women's Super League season and touch on a few of the, of the news stories going around on the takeover and things like that. Uh, but yeah, looking around, we'll start obviously with the game last night against Chelsea. You know, it'd been a running theme for a few weeks here about our top four race. I know yourself and Jamie had got a bit worried about it a few weeks ago. I think it was a uh, it was that two two Tottenham draw where we threw away two nil, and Liverpool had started their kind of run of form that started getting some worries around the place. Um, but yeah, we did of course get that away win finally against Bournemouth. I mean, were you? How were you finally feeling good after that Bournemouth game, or are you still worried we might throw it away? I know you're always the most pessimistic no, the... and ready to um, get the. I think the Bournemouth game, coupled with the Liverpool draw at Villa, was pretty much yeah, we, we, we're sorted now. Uh, the Villa draw was the the big thing. I was like, yeah, we, 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 we're over the line now. Um, so yeah, I was feeling pretty relaxed. I actually thought we would win this game three or four nil, uh, so I was nearly right on that. Um, I thought we, I thought I didn't think they'd score, but they did at the end. But yeah, I, I was actually feeling very, com- especially when you look at the Chelsea lineup. And I mean, it's not really anything to fret about, and with the form they're in, and yeah, they're terrible. So I, I was pretty confident about this game, and I was pretty relaxed. Um, so yeah, it was quite, quite a nice week, really. Um, finally, could relax. Um, and I think people, are, I know some people are saying like, oh, why are you even worried in the first place? But to be fair, like Liverpool did. Pushes what to the second to last game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second to last and game. I think a lot of people said said it was over weeks and weeks and weeks ago. It definitely wasn't over weeks and weeks ago. We had to be pushed to this point. So um... we made it interesting. Like I said, I was not worried at any point. Um, I think the fact that we gave them some hope makes it even better. Uh, and you know, they went on their kind of run, and they nearly did. I think you said it, and I said, "Well, I'm sure they'll have some kind of." Guy. I think there's something like you said. Oh, I think they're going to win every game, and they were still eight or nine matches left. Yeah, yeah. They were, I mean, I thought they would win every game and they probably will beat, will beat Southampton. So they've won all but one yeah, game. Yeah, they were close. It's good going at the end of the day. I think there was a, as I think someone commented like how crit, it's ridic- it was ridiculous to even say they might win every game. But it's, I mean, it wasn't that ridiculous. They literally won, have won all but one and will probably win the last one too. So Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Uh, as I say, not only can we celebrate getting our top four, stopping them from getting it makes it doubly better. Uh, and, and also it worked out well because now they're going to have some... Because I think they they were all about ripping it all up and starting again in the summer, but now they might think, oh, we... we I mean, it kind of puts them in a weird position now because they're in the Europa League. They, they need a lot of squad investment, but this start end of the season might make them think actually we don't need it but they do, they definitely do you need a whole new midfield yeah they do um probably probably a couple of defenders and i don't, I don't it'll be interesting to see what they do in the summer um but it might give it this this end of season might give them false hope 
Yeah, I mean, this look, the summer is obviously going to be interesting for everybody. The transfer rumour mill has already started. And uh, as anyone who listens to the show knows, I don't take that much notice of it. But we will be talking and updating about all that stuff throughout this summer. Uh, but yeah, look, let's talk about the actual game. We're talking about Liverpool. I mean, Chelsea pre-season were expected to finish top four they've obviously got absolutely nowhere near close uh, I'd actually seen that somebody had put what the pre-season top four odds were and we were actually expected to come fifth after Manchester United uh, Manchester City Liverpool Tottenham and Chelsea we were actually supposed to come fourth Arsenal was supposed to come sixth and uh, Newcastle I think they were way down the list somewhere so yeah it's been quite a different season than what the bookies are all expecting and what the pre-season form said but yeah look finally we've got in there and I said Chelsea season has been absolutely mental it wasn't that much of a surprise that we'd beaten them there they did have a bit of a weird lineup he threw in a few kind of youngsters but I think he's just got so many players to choose from every week he's just randomly throwing darts at a board and picking mm. his first 11. Um, what was it? it was a youngest ever lineup I think youngest ever Premier League lineup yeah, okay. I didn't actually see that. Youngest ever. Uh, I knew. Yeah, for them. I don't know if it was all time friendly, but it was definitely their youngest Premier League lineup ever, I think. I think their average age was like 23 or something. Yeah, yeah. He definitely did give a few of the younger guys a run out there. Um, and you know, early on, the game was a kind of crazy game, wasn't it? It was like uh, there was chances both sides. Um, you know, it ends up 4-1 in our favour, but there could have been a lot more goals in this game. Oh, it, was, it was a very weird game. Um, this could It could have been any score, I think. You could have just thrown some random numbers in the air and they landed and it would have been... I mean, we if we were... I don't think we were that good. Um, I think we were we were both not very good and also quite good, like, all at the same time. If we were, like, firing and all cylinders, had a top striker, were purring, you could have easily seen us winning this game by seven or eight. I mean, our XG was over five anyway, um, which was, the high, I think, the highest XG difference for the season, I think. Um, I think we our XG was it was higher in this game than Liverpool's was when they beat us seven nil. So Could have been. Um, yeah, I think I mean it depends on your source. I actually always look at understat. They've got ours at four point nine and Chelsea at one point seven. But yeah, there is different XG stats out there nowadays, and I did see a couple putting us at around five point two, five point three. Um, but yeah, that was on the track to being our best win. Basically, I mean that late Chelsea I mean, goal just puts a little bit damper on it, but nobody was that bothered about that. I mean, it was. Our biggest win probably is three nil. So four one technically is a bit is is bigger than three nil. So um, yeah, it could. But it, we we should have been more. Should have been five, six, seven. Um, but then also the fact that we scored four in a game is quite something at the moment because we can't seem to. We're not we're not that clinical. Um, but yeah, with a with a top strike, if we were if we were really pairing, we could we would absolutely hammer them. And then at the same time, they could have easily scored three or four goals themselves. Uh, they probably should have been ahead in the first half. It should have been ahead before we even scored the first goal. Mudrick missed a, a sitter. Havitz missed a sitter. Um, Conor Gallagher missed a really good chance uh, as well. So they, they definitely could have scored more. Should have been about 8-4 in the end. But we, we definitely deserved to win, uh, even though we didn't play that well, which was weird. I think we, we were actually playing a bit within us, I thought. Um, I don't think we were like full full pelt Man United. I don't know what full pelt Man United looks like at the moment, but he didn't feel like that. I mean, when Rashford came on, I felt like Rashford was like playing at half speed almost at times. And and he still looked like one of the more threatening players on the pitch. So yeah, I think it was, it was very easy for us. I thought. Well, I think one, obviously getting an early goal changes the whole outlook of the match. Plus mm. we knew we only actually needed a draw to just seal everything. 
Um, so yeah, it kind of changes the whole picture quickly. And yeah, in both these games, we'll talk a bit more, but we can kind of cover them both as we go along. It's an early goal from Casemiro, two games in a row. Uh, Bournemouth, you know, finally we get an away win back on the board because that's the thing that had been giving everybody doubts about our running. But yeah, the first 10 minutes of both games, Casemiro gets one. And that Bournemouth one, like, you know, should probably be down as I guess is our short list of 10 for goal of the season. I mean, I couldn't. I was thinking about after this, after the game, I couldn't even tell you what our shot list for goal of the season is. Probably Anthony against City, but you don't really want to think about that goal because it came in a 6-3 loss, but that was probably our goal of the season. I haven't thought about it at all. We will yeah, do another exactly. show at I, I some point. I, I, could, I could not tell you what our... I, in fact, for the whole Premier League, I couldn't tell you what the best goals of the season were. Um, Enciso scored that brilliant one against City this week, and I was like, that's probably goal of the season. And I'm trying to think what would rival it. And I was like, I, I, can't, I couldn't tell you a standout goal from the Premier League this season. Just... Doesn't seem to be nothing comes to mind, but yeah, yeah exactly. Do you need to I go feel and like have we're a look in a time it. where people don't really wang the ball in from thirty yards on a regular basis anymore. So I don't know. Um, I, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you what the goal of the season was. Well, Casemiro's definitely up there for our one, and should get some plaudits for that. And um, yeah, look, generally it seals off a brilliant season for him. He had a slight kind of lull, hadn't he, after, after he'd come back from suspension, but these two games, you know, vital goals. And I said that the goal side of it was something I never expected him to bring to the table. Uh, you know, everybody knew we were getting a world-class kind of defensive midfielder, but he's got several goals and a few assists on it. And uh, like 14. Said, yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. And, uh, you know, I think now people start talking about things like goal of the season, player of the season, it's kind of between Casemiro and Rashford, probably maybe with a kind of bronze medal for Martinez or something like that. I would put Luke Shaw in there. Actually, okay. To be honest with you. Okay. Yeah. Put, I, I would actually have Luke Shaw second behind Rashford, or maybe even for, I don't. I think Luke Shaw's been the problem with Martinez is he's been injured since uh, what the Sevilla game, which was a massive run. Uh, like missed a good chunk of the season and this run in. Casemiro's missed ten games through suspension. Um, Rashford is mainly post-World Cup that he's really started turning it on. Uh, whereas I think Shaw's been consistent for the whole season as one of our best players consistently uh, and really stepped up when we need him at centre-back. So I actually would I'd throw Luke Shaw in there. I think he definitely deserves uh, mention, but for me, still Casemiro and Rashford are the two standouts for the season. Um, especially Casemiro coming in for his first season in the Premier League made a big difference you know Rashford as well part of it is the story from how poor he was last season a lot of people writing him off mm. for him then to come back with a 30 goal season first player since Robin Van Persie to do that for us is absolutely exceptional I mean I'd always defended Rashford always said he needs another chance to come back but I never expected him to pull out a 30 goal season already and, and thank god he has because you know we know goals has been our biggest problem this year and he's the one who's kind of made up yeah. for it I think that what you would say about Rashford and Casemiro is I don't think we qualify for Champions League without either of those two players. Exactly. Um, obviously, it's a team effort, and obviously everyone like Varane and Martinez and Shaw, they all make a big and Bruno, they all make a big difference. But I think those two in particular, I don't think we qualify for Champions League without them too. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, and look, you know, as you said, this game kind of seemed relatively easy in the end. Got us over the line to the Champions League we needed. Early goal from Casemiro. Then, yeah, perfectly timed. Another one just before half time. Uh, Jaden Sancho, who's been getting some stick here and there, still seems to pop up with the odd assist and goal. Just to remind you that he can actually play and has, uh, you know, some things that can be useful to the squad. 
well, I thought it was I thought it was terrible up until that assist, and then after that assist, he actually had a really good game. Basically, as, as soon as he went on to the right, which is, uh, I guess, well timed because of this unfortunate Anthony Anthony injury, we don't know the extent of yet. Um, but yeah, he was he was actually good on the right. He actually looked quick in the second half. I don't know whether that's down to Chelsea just looking terrible. Uh, there's a lot of space for him to attack as well. Uh, I wouldn't hold my hat on it being um, a consistent thing going forward from him but I mean for this one-off game can't really fault him for everything he did after his assist and he should have probably had a few, few more assists after that later on a good one on for Ganacho, later on for McTominay later on for Bruno uh, probably could have come up come up with two or three assists yeah that is what we're expecting you know even if it's not the goals I was always expecting this is a player who's going to create a lot for us this is a player who's going to be getting assists every week and like you say, you do see what he can do. We just need to see more of it. Um, as you mentioned, the only downer from the night is the f- maybe a couple of injuries. We have to see what the long-term prognosis is. Anthony came out after about half an hour. Luke Shaw went off at half time. I don't know if it's just precaution or what exactly, but yeah, we have to see what happens. I mean, obviously the game on the weekend against Fulham is not particularly important. I guess third place is kind of up for grabs, but there's no difference going into the Champions League between third or fourth place. In the past, there used to be playoff rounds and things like that, but it won't make any difference for next year. Uh, so they've got a good kind of 10 days, well, nine, to get ready for that cup final, which is more what we're kind of thinking mm. about going forward there. But yeah, look, a, a nice at least for Martial to get on the score sheet. Uh, he's had a couple of tapping kind of goals recently, which is good. It's had to the kind of goals we need more of, you know. I mean, it's it masked the fact that he's been absolutely dreadful. Um, I mean, his first touch at the moment is appalling. Uh, it's like Lukaku, giving me Lukaku vibes. But I mean, I guess if he's scoring, fair enough. I guess I'd rather it's funny. Usually, we can rely on him to to not to do all the fancy fancy dance stuff outside the box and can first touch and pass it off and stuff. But then he won't be in the box to actually score the goal. And now he's in the box to score these tappings. But he's everything else is a bit rubbish. But I guess if you're scoring, you can't complain too much. But I mean, you you want more. I mean, a game like this, he could have you, you, a top striker. You'd be bagging two or three, you'd think. Yeah, and it's funny. early in the season. Whenever he was playing, he was doing well. He was getting like goals, getting assists. He had like a crazy start earlier on in the year for like minutes played. He had the most goals and assists, but that was partly down to not playing many minutes. Yeah. And he'd get like half an hour here and there and get a goal or assist. But then he has played like relatively regularly now for what, a month or so, is it? Like since he's come back. And hmm. yeah. Maybe maybe his body's just not used to playing this much football and it's uh, it's just deteriorating. He's played, he's played like, he'd gone a month without injury. He doesn't know what to do so you just can't play football anymore I mean Ten Hag um, still doesn't trust him to play 90 minutes he takes him off every game around 60 around 70 and often it's Veghorst although yeah Veghorst didn't get a run out in this game but we'll see from there um, I still think even like it's, I do agree with you he's not been great but he's still a way better option than Veghorst and yeah we'll probably be starting that cup final when we get round to it because uh, yeah I don't see what other options we have over there but yeah we can get to that a bit further down the line but yeah goals rounded up by a penalty from Bruno and Rashford back on the score sheet again like I say great to see 30th goal of the season just good to get him back in he didn't start this game because he's had some fitness issues illness but again he's got another eight nine days to get ready for that cup final which is really the important one yeah it's um 
nice for him to get that 30 goals as well. I think if he'd finished on 29, it would have been, well, he just needed that one more. So he's got the, got his 30 goals season, caps off an excellent season for him. We finally got a penalty. Uh, probably from all the penalties we haven't got, there were more penalties than this one. It was a pen, I think. He, he just catches it. Oh, no, we, this we, one was a stonewall pen. Like, it's an absolute stonewall. stonewall. We've, had, we've, had, we've had much bigger stonewall penalties than this one. Um, uh, I, I, this one was... He, Sweet. It was a, just for fun. It got done and then swung a leg. I think Bruno could have probably kept going if he wanted to, but um, it's a. He does catch him. Uh, he catches him. He does pretty catch clearly. him. He does catch him. I do, I, I do think Bruno could have kept on running if he wanted to, uh, but maybe he didn't have to. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not. It's not. It's not on him to do it. But what I'm saying is, we've had. I mean, if you compare that to I don't know the the Vegas one against Palace or the yeah, Tomney yeah, one against yeah. Palace or the Sancho one, then I mean they're they're clear penalties. Uh, they put this one to the shade, so yeah, that's all I'd say. But we 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 we've deserved one, I think. We were nineteenth for penalties. Um, yeah, well, look, if we if we've saved all these for the two. cup final or something like that, I'll be yeah, very happy. So, you know, wait for the luck to run out then. And he put it away nicely. So, so yeah. Uh, and then uh, we should have scored probably five, six, even after Rashford scored uh, some good opportunities, but. I mean, 4-1, can't complain at the end of the day. Good night's work. Yeah, you can't. You said it hasn't been... Well, we haven't scored four goals this season. So, yeah, it's rare. And, uh, you know... Well, we did against... Sausage, did we score against Sociedad? No. Yes. We might have done, We haven't done in the league, it, that's for sure. In the league, no. Yeah. In Europe, I think we scored four. Yeah, yeah. yeah, in the league, we haven't scored four, which is uh, weird. But, yeah. Chelsea are terrible. Yeah, they are. But <clears throat> they do have some good players... If they're getting Pochettino in, then I think they will come back strongly. I wouldn't write them off completely if he can just work out which of those are worth keeping hold of. There is definitely some talent in there and they just need somebody to sift through and get rid of the deadwood. Um, but look, generally, this rounds off what is a good season for us. Uh, I think uh, at the start of the season, my expectation was only top four, nothing more than that. So for us to get top four plus a cop is great. And potentially... We could get this to third mm. with two cops, which would be obviously an outstanding end to the season. Yeah, it's been a good season, I think. I think a top four, a Champions League was like standard. If we just got Champions League, we'd have said that was a like that was what expectations were. Um, top four with a cup, good season. Top four with two cup, cups is a, a great, outstanding season. Uh, and it kind of all rests on that FA Cup final, really. If, if, if we win that, it ends up. No, on a terrific high. If we're not, it's kind of a bit of a downer, but we shouldn't shouldn't master that it is. Yeah, it's been a good season. Yeah, exactly. Whatever happens in that cup final, it is still a good season for Eric Ten Hag, especially when, don't forget that start when we lost two games at uh, the start of the season. And, you know, mm. our home form since then has obviously been brilliant. We haven't lost uh, since that early yeah, if we, blip against would have been Brighton. Undefeated. Second in the home table, I think, only behind City. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, two of those draws, Newcastle, we should have won. Uh, we missed two pretty much open goals at the end of that game. And Southampton, we had a man sent off a bit harshly. So either of those could have gone our way. The Leeds one was a weird game. Um, and then, yeah, Brighton. I think you played that game against Brighton. Now, we, we I don't think we lose it. So just, just how it goes. But yeah, great home form. I want to see that continue. Come a bit of a fortress at Old Trafford would be good. Even though I mean it's a it's really good home form, obviously, um, but it doesn't feel quite like a fortress yet, which is weird because we've only conceded nine goals. But then uh, you think of a lot of games where it was just a one we squeaked out a one nil, and it's not been that comfortable. And you think next season you just want to make it Old Trafford, 
definite three points, very comfortable, win by two or three goals, and that's the standard. Yeah, let's hope for that. Uh, we will take a quick break there and come back for part two. Back for part two of the podcast. And yeah, we were just talking about the great home form. Uh, I and Imran will be at Old Trafford for the Fulham game on the weekend. Doesn't mean a lot now. We can obviously get third place, which would be nice just for kind of pride and bragging going into the season. But yeah, doesn't have that many odds going in. I mean, we're kind of prime place, what, two points ahead in Newcastle with that game going in. So yeah, it would yeah, be nice. But, well, yeah, but it ha- they've, they're playing, who are they playing, Newcastle? Not actually sure. Um, they've got a game that's winnable away, but winnable. Um, but I get a third far, who cares? Um, I'm not bothered. Yeah, uh, there isn't that much left on this last day of the Premier League now. No, uh-huh. it's just relegation and uh, conference league qualification. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know whether the likes of Tottenham want to be in that or not. Uh, you know, so that do you want to be in the conference league? Yeah, maybe. If you're, you know, if you're West Ham, I'm sure you do want to be. If you're Tottenham, I don't know, Bob. I, I wouldn't want to be in it. I think you're actually better off not in it, although maybe you can just send out a youth team for some practice or something like that. The, the Newcastle have got a very winnable game. They're playing Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> very, very, very winnable, as, as we've learned. Um, but yeah, they, and they've got a much better goal difference than us. So if they come third, then whatever. Who cares? It's more about for us just getting getting the minutes, ticking over, not getting injuries. I don't want to see anyone going into a 50-50. No one getting sent off. Probably won't start Casemiro. As soon as Casemiro... If, if Casemiro gets booked in the 10th minute, I would take him off straight away. Uh, there's no... Yeah. Absolutely no need for anything crazy in this game. And we just... Uh, yeah, just I would play not play Casemiro. Rashford has not started recently, so probably does need a start just to get into full fitness for that cup final. Other people like... I mean, sure, maybe he's got a knock anyway, but yeah, I would give him a rest. Yeah. Give Maguire a send-off. Yeah. Uh, give... Fred McTominay minutes, give Wout a start to maybe get a Premier League goal. <laughs> just, just I mean, who cares? At this point, it is literally about just getting some minutes in the, in, in the tank and av- avoiding any suspensions or injuries. The only problem, the only worry I have is Mitch Rich running around like an absolute madman. Yeah, they want to make up for that vengeance quest. And... Yeah, of course, <laughs> we beat them and they had that crazy turnaround with a double red, triple red cards, right, wasn't it? Uh, Craziness going on. So, yeah, maybe they'll have some comeback for that. But, yeah, I don't think we're that bothered. If they want to have their revenge for that, go ahead. As long as, like you say, we keep everybody fit. The only ones who need to get in is Rashford. Maybe there's this slight question on the right side now. If Anthony ends up injured, uh, who's going to come in over there? probably going to be Sancho, I guess. Well, I wonder if he'll put Bruno over there and then shore up the midfield a bit with Fred. I have seen, my... actually, some people, a couple of people putting shouts out like that. People even saying, listen, let's just absolutely jam the midfield. Uh, Fred, McTominay and Casemiro. No, I think when it was City at home, it was Fred, Casemiro, Eriksson, Bruno on the right and Marshall and Rashford, I think. And I wouldn't be surprised if he repeats that. Um, because, yeah, obviously you've got to try things to combat City, but I, I wonder if he'll if he'll try that just because I think he'll leave Rashford. I wonder if he'll re- leave Rashford high on the left, not really make him do defensive work, so we can just pop the ball over for a counter. Um, obviously, City are purring and in great form, and you've just got to look at ways to beat them. And I'm sure Ten Hag has things up his sleeve, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, throwing bodies in the middle 
will be one thing because a big thing about the Chelsea game and a lot of people criticizing Ericsson um, because they were running through our midfields quite easily a lot of the time. And I, I do I do think a part of that was just like we were very comfortable and kind of playing the game in second gear a bit. But yeah, you don't really want City to be running through you at will. Uh, that's a bit of an issue. No, yeah, there has been some flack for Ericsson recently. Since he's come back from that injury, he doesn't seem to have picked up where he was because he was brilliant in the first part of the season. Well, I thought he was really good against Bournemouth, to be fair. Um I thought he was one of our better players, actually. It helps control the game a lot, winning the ball back a lot. And I thought, especially because Bruno had a terrible game against Barmer, um, I thought Ericsson was really good. But yeah, in general, since he's come back, I, I think he probably came back a bit too early just because we really needed him. Yeah, and I'd say um, he's one who shouldn't be starting on Sunday either. Needs a rest if he is yeah. going to be playing in that cup final. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, the other thing that got confirmed, actually, in that Bournemouth game, it was another clean sheet. David De Gea got the golden gloves, the most clean sheets this season. A lot of talk about him as well. He has made several high-profile mistakes. Uh, You know, golden gloves is a weird kind of award, isn't it? Because it's given to the goalie. But really, it's a team effort. And I think really, it's more the likes of Martinez, Varane, Shaw, Casemiro, who really do deserve the plaudits for getting us all these clean sheets this season. I think they all deserve it. It's like a unit. I don't think you'd say anyone above the rest kind of thing. It's just a, a team unit of of not conceding goals, especially at home uh, where we've kept a lot of clean sheets. Um, but yeah, it's it's weird when we die. I, I think I read something today that he's close on a two-year deal with reduced terms, which I think a lot of people will be upset at. Um, per, my my personal belief is I would, I would like to see a, a replacement come in. Um, and someone someone fresh in between the stakes but depending on how much we've got to spend depending on transfer coffers etc and if Eric Tenhag wants it then then I guess begrudgingly fine but I know a lot of people will be frothing at the mouth at the fact that David will be continuing I mean I'm fine with him staying but we do need somebody in who's really going to challenge him and really going to push to be that number one mm. um, and ideally for me he would end up being our number two uh, sat on the bench over there and yeah we need somebody's coming in and not you know we've had all these butlins and heatons and whatever who are obviously not going to be challenging him at all so yeah i think goalie is quite important for us especially with the way that ten Hag wants to play because obviously he wants to play out from the back and it is not de Gea's forte at all he has made some great saves for us this season he has won points for us this season uh, we know he is still good at that but yeah overall there's too many big mistakes and he's not contributing enough off kind of to the build-up play it's a big problem so yeah i think goalie is highish up the list for me uh but yeah i think striker is obviously number 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 one um but yeah that bournemouth game away i said that was the day you finally started feeling comfortable about our top yeah. four right yeah i think if liverpool had won i still feel a bit a bit twitchy but i think that bit that was a big win you know i didn't feel like i didn't want to go into the chelsea and Fulham game knowing we had to win both because uh, then things can get a bit a bit tight, but yeah, that that was a big win against Bournemouth, and um, yeah, it was a good professional performance, really. I mean, they did have that Kiefer Moore chance at the end, which they made a good save from, and then uh, that Senny Sen 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 that guy did a yeah. worldy volley at the end, which I thought if that goes in, that is genuinely ridiculous. If that had gone, in. <laughs> that would have been goal of the season if that had gone in that volley. But um, but yeah, we we you, you you standard United performance, get a goal don't really create much else 
uh, don't put the game to bed. And then you, you left a bit twitchy at the end, but we, we saw it over the line and it was, a, it was a big win. Yeah, no, exactly. And that was the one that kind of then made you feel that one point to go. And yeah, we did it. Took it over there. And as you say, the men's league is finishing off on Sunday. The Women's Super League will be finishing tomorrow, Saturday. I'm not sure actually when exactly this podcast is going to come out. That's up to you, Imran, when you get round to editing it. Um, but yeah, Saturday is the end of the Women's Super League season. Uh, last time we recorded, we were just talking about the Women's FA Cup final. We were a bit kind of disappointed because we'd lost it and just said, look, let's make sure we confirm our Champions League place, which we did do. There was the Women's Manchester Derby, a full Lee Sports Village. Uh, our women beat City 2-1 with a last-minute goal, so it doesn't really get that much better than that. Didn't actually play that well. Yeah. And, uh, and they had 10 men for most of that yeah. half of it as well. It was not a good performance. Uh, Matt Skinner wasn't the most pleased, which I kind of get. Like te- one nil up against 10 men, and then you're having to rely on a last-minute goal to win ten, it. 10 players. Sorry, 10 players. Yes. Uh, uh, we'll have to rely on a last-minute goal to win. It's not, not great. Uh, but, I mean, we did the job. We got over the line. Just a shame that Chelsea won as well. Arsenal were a bit feeble in that game. Missed a penalty, which was annoying when it was 2-1. Um, but, yeah. It looks like the league... Well, the league is basically over. There's no, there is very, very, very little chance that Chelsea will lose to bottom of the table Reading. So... Yeah, that's it. There is a slim chance. I mean, uh, it's technically, less than slim. We can still win the league. We're two points behind Chelsea. The last day to come, they're playing Reading, who are bottom of the league on a run yeah. of five losses in a row, maybe even more. They've lost their last five for sure. Chelsea have won five in a row. So, yeah, it looks yeah, like the, a four And the goal conclusion. difference is such that even a point, really, unless I don't think United will beat Liverpool by what, I think they need five goals it would be so yeah it is a five goal goal difference so look technically it is still possible but it's not yeah. probably not going to happen but anyway again for Manchester United women like the men it has been a great season in fact it's uh, it's undoubtedly the greatest season in the history of Manchester United women I mean it's only a five-year history but yeah having gone to their first ever cup final and qualifying for the Champions League for the first ever time that's big it is big mm. and uh, we have to then see what happens in the summer I mean there's already some rumours that some of the big players are going to leave Onya Bajia who is up for our women's player of the year right back Spanish right back is apparently going heading back to Barcelona where she actually started her career as a youth player so it wouldn't be that surprising that she wants to go back there um, but yeah bigger question marks over some of the English players like um, Alicia Russo and Mary Earps and in fact Mary Earps by the way also won the women's golden gloves so both mm. of our goalies, men and women, took the Golden Gloves for best uh, clean sheet record for the season. So it has been kind of defensive solidity that's done it for both teams. So, yeah, some nice kind of parallels to go between the games. And I don't know if you saw that David De Gea was in the stands for that Manchester women's derby over there. And then Mary Earps was on commentary for the first time yesterday. Don't know Not if you on saw commentary, she's on, the, on punditry. She's done yeah. punditry before for United Games. But, um, yeah, she, you know, she's a really good pundit, is Mary Earps. Yeah, it's actually the first time I've seen her do any of it. And I thought she was good. So, yeah, definitely something that she'll probably have more when she finishes her playing career. But good to see. But, yeah, it'll be... It has been a good season for the women, for sure. And, like I say, small, small chance of the league. But, yeah, it's probably gone. And I know it's... 
the most interest I've ever taken in a women's Super League season. And, and that, there's a lot of fans like that. I'm sure yourself yeah, as well, right? Yeah, same. But I think yeah. it'll continue. Yeah, it's just about getting this ownership sorted out now and then investing in the summer if players go if players stay and then we got to I mean it's Champions League football and, and the level up from the level up to playing your Wolfsburgs and Barcelona's and Leon is is massive really compared to well apart from the top three in the, the WSL the, 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 that the step the step up is huge so we need to compete it is huge and like you know Chelsea who've beaten us every time and winning look like they're going to win a league double are not that great I mean, I think actually they were in the sorry. To be fair, like yeah, both Champions League semi-final, Chelsea were in the semi-finals, but they've not um, won it uh, no. at any point. Um, so yeah, there is much stronger teams out there coming either from France, from Spain, from Germany, and yeah, a lot of players will leave to go and play in these leagues, and let's hope our big players don't do. But yeah, we will see. And it is still that whole takeover ownership situation that is just keeping that kind of dark cloud over everything, over the men and women's kind of transfer. I mean, you saw Eric Ten Hag yesterday in his post-match was saying, if we want to reach the next level, we need better players. So yeah, I don't know what's going on in the background. We've still not had any big update on what's going on on the takeover side of it over there. Mm. Uh, I think probably for the women, as much, even more than men, it's like massively important. Just what's going on with budgets and things like that. It's often an afterthought. Yeah, um, yeah, and you well, know, it has been players, hasn't it? And I think both the Ratcliffe offer and the uh, Jasim offer have stated that the women's team will get heavy investment. So, and whereas the Glazers has always kind of been there, well, he's over there, and it. I mean, took him ages just to even get a team set up. We've only been going for five years, so. So yeah, it'd be big for them, big for just big for the whole club. I I did read somewhere that they were the the, the I mean I don't know how true this is because I don't know how much it really does impact valuations, but they were waiting to see if Champions League qualification was a given because it would impact next year's earnings, which impacts how much the club's worth. But um, yeah, I'd seen that, and I don't know if it's totally true. It does make sense, to be fair, that there would be some kind of agreement over final price because it will affect the revenue next year for sure Mm. and even for a couple of years if we'd missed out on it you know this kind of things in the contracts with adidas and things like that that if we'd missed out on champions league two years in a row there would have been a significant kind of drop down in how much they were paying us um plus obviously there's tv money potential like prize money and things like that and just generally the kind of sponsors you might attract um do make a big difference when you're in the champions league i mean our shirt sponsorship is still slightly up in the air it said that uh, you know the united made an announcement that maybe they might replace team viewer um that i think team viewer i think maybe they made a mistake when they signed up for this massive uh, contract over there um and they're looking for a way out of it but i think their only way out of it is if we actually find a better deal than what they'd offered us and things like champions league are obviously going to be integral to that um so we'll see if there is any movement on that still a bit quiet i don't know if i've ever asked you actually on the pod if you have a kind of preference out of uh, you know we had quite a lengthy chat when Ali Woods was on the last podcast about preferences and he said he preferred uh, Sir Jim Ratcliffe and kind of Ineos bid whereas I'm still leaning towards Qatar and Sheikh Jassim even though I don't feel super confident and comfortable about any of these bids to be honest I mean I just want Gla- I, I'm not even co- I'm not even confident that Glazers will leave mm. um, I've said that since the start I'll believe it when it happens um, I believe it when I see the Glazers are out the door or not in charge of the club anymore and I can still see a situation, even though it's ridiculous, it would 
be such poor planning from them push much like the idea to put the club for sale and then retract it all is just such a i mean it'll hamper them in the long run when it actually they do want to sell and it's it, it causes a whole lot of issues but they're the glazers and then the planning of them it hasn't been great let's be honest i don't think they're the most sound businessmen in the world um so yeah i'm i'll, I'll believe it when i see it and at that point then i'll, I'll i can judge it who who Whoever buys them, and I can see how my moral standpoint is at that point. But I just want them gone at this point. But I still don't believe they will. I think that's the main thing. You can argue over Sheikh Dressim versus Surgeon Ratcliffe, and you know there's a lot of positives, a lot of negatives. Whether it's greenwashing, sports washing, whether you're looking at like the record. I mean, this was something that actually worried me a lot. I don't know if you saw that Ineos's other club, Nice. There's actually been a fair bit of fan protest there this week uh, against yeah, the ownership. And the captain yeah. even came out and made some pretty negative comments about how there doesn't seem to be any big plan of recruitment at the club over here. Um, so, yeah, that is very worrying uh, to me, you know, what's been going on at the other clubs that are owned by Ineos. And there's also Lausanne in Switzerland, who are a much smaller team, but I know that they've been relegated since um, Ineos bought in bought in over there i know we're a totally different kind of kettle of fish and maybe you can't compare but that always all you can do at this point is look at the track record of other teams and see what they've done i mean rightly some other people have pointed out that there is no track record if you're looking at sheikh jasim he's never been involved mm. in sports investment so there's nothing to go off but i think you almost take that track record over fan protests and relegations at other teams um but yeah you can argue over it but at the end of the day for me i would take either over the Glazers. We do want to see the back of them. I would be shocked now if they didn't leave. They may stay in some kind of minority um, situation, but I think they'll be off the board. I don't think they'll be making any decisions. As we'll see, you know, we do hear that maybe Ineos have given them an option of staying for a few years. Uh, but yeah, it's all speculation. and We have to see what happens over there. And we're all waiting for it. As you, you know, you said, some people have been saying maybe this Champions League qualification will unlock the kind of final round of talks and bidding. But we're still waiting to hear if there's a kind of preferred bidder selected. Because even after that, it's still going to take weeks, maybe even months of kind of legals after they, mm. after they formally announce somebody who's going to be the right guy. But you can spend, you can sort of spend within future knowledge, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it hopefully so shouldn't impact the transfer budgets and everything too much. Yes. So say if if if, if it's uh, shake just in for argument's sake, you can say, all right, now we can spend two fifty because by the time I we come in and sort this out, this money will be available. That's kind of thing to uh, to write that off. So you can kind of start future planning as soon as it's agreed but without that it's a bit up in the air uh, and yet we're still being linked to players so obviously there is there is some sort of budget in place or it's all just nonsense well i think a lot of it's nonsense anyway but i do think at the same time there is budget over there uh, we will take another break there and come back for the last part of the show back for part three of this podcast so we were just talking about the takeover transfer budgets i mean i know there's been this kind of idea especially because of our january transfer window that just relied on kind of two loan deals and there was no money in the pot that we've got no cash to spend but that is not true uh i mean a lot of our cash is kind of seasonal so as i'm sure you know and me a lot of season ticket money 
comes in at this time of year. It is the biggest yeah. kind of revenue that rolls into the club on match day. Uh, all season ticket holders have to pay basically by May to secure their season tickets and some there'll be a few new ones going out there as well. So a load of cash has come into the club in the last month or so. Even without any takeover, there will definitely be some kind of transfer budget. I'd say that probably somewhere around 100 million, I reckon, minimum is available, plus then whatever players we might sell. So a lot of people are saying, we've got no money. We've got no money. We need this takeover. So don't totally agree with that. The takeover obviously puts a lot more clarity, should put a lot more money in the pot, but I'm sure they can be working on some kind of deals in the background already. And I'm sure they are doing, but yeah, you know, it's not an ideal scenario and will kind of impact some planning on it, but I would expect there is some things going on in the background already. Yeah, we've never been the best at selling players is my only worry, but we should, should being the keyword, generate at least 50 to 60 million from players, I, th- I would think. Um, yeah, you're looking at Maguire, at I don't know, from McTominay maybe. Uh... Oh, between Maguire and McTominay, that should be 60 million, I think. Yeah. But I'm not sure, I'm not sure McTominay leaves, but if he does, I mean, I, I wouldn't have... I wouldn't sell McTominay for less than thirty million pounds. Um, he's a Scottish international, um, played in United teams who have finished high up the table. Um, I know he obviously doesn't have a lot of people slating, but he would be a solid Premier League midfielder for most teams. And if you're looking at what James Garner sold for, how much did he send for? Sixteen million. Yeah. Morgan Gibbs White was forty-two million. Like McTominay is a good age. Uh, yeah, anything less than thirty, I won't be entertaining. No, oh, yeah, I'd agree with that nowadays for that kind of experience. And then, yeah, Maguire probably is up for sale. There's a few others around. That all depends. Yeah, all the people coming, like Tellez uh, comes back from loan. Um, Henderson, we should be able to get at least 20, you'd think, for him. Uh, Twan Zabi is still kicking around. Um, then you've got people like Fred, last year at contract. Maybe we get, if we're going to get another midfielder, and you think one of Fred and McTominay might leave. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's, there's obviously players to kick around just hope if we can actually a get them out of the door and b generate a good a good profit from it yeah yeah uh so yeah you'd hopeful some kind of work is still being done but the takeover does need to happen one way or another just for full clarity so everybody knows what's going on uh and obviously the only thing i hope whoever comes in is that they don't mess too much with this manager and let him do what he wants eric ten Hag has shown that he knows what he's doing it was pretty clear that he picked his own players uh, in the transfer market last year, which I don't think has been necessarily the case with some of our managers recently. We know a lot of transfer business we've done in the last years has been done more like by committee and maybe the manager had Mm. like a vote in there, but sometimes we understand that he was kind of maybe outvoted and didn't get the players he wanted and wasn't necessarily forced to take any players, but wasn't getting his first choices every time. Whereas it was pretty clear last summer that Eric Ten Hag was getting exactly the players we wanted because we saw a couple of his guys come in from Ajax, another Dutch player. So yeah, it does seem that he wants to be more involved and I hope that anything... But then again, like I think Casemiro wasn't necessarily his player. It's just someone presented it to him and then he was like, well, yeah, I'll take Casemiro. Thank you very much. Well, yeah, we know um, that his number so one choice was I mean, Frankie de Jong. And he was yeah, probably I think next on the list. Balance to, I mean, ultimately, if you look at the two, the, 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 the three Dutch purchases, Martinez, unqualified success, 
I personally think Malassi is a bit of a, a fit. I mean, obviously not a huge failure. He's only your backup left back, but I just don't think Malassi is good enough, really. No, but he will um, be paid like, what, 50? But yeah, but it's, exactly. It's like a low gamble thing. I think thing. that and was, then... he's absolutely been worth 15 as a squad player. Yeah. Like, you know, you pay like, you say 30 million for a squad player to get 15. Yeah. I think he's been absolutely fine for the amount of money he cost. Yeah. And then Anthony up in the air, I guess. We'll see. Maybe a lot of people think he'll kick on next season. He shows glimpses. Uh, probably not worth 80 million, but that's kind of on us, I guess, that we messed it around. If we'd got him for 30, 40, I don't think anyone would be as criti- critical. Mm. Um, so, but they've got to be a balance, I think. Um, our scouts need to do a bit more. Um, the club needs to do a bit more in terms of getting the right players in. But, I mean, Ayrton High's been there for a season now. Hopefully that's more fine-tuned and more in place. Um I mean, the the players we're currently linked at this week, Harry Kane, Declan Rice, Mason Mount, they're, uh, I mean, not Dutch, are they? So, <laughs> you know. Well, now that he's spent like a year in the Premier League, you'd think obviously he has a pretty good insight into a lot more of the players within the league and, might, you know, maybe more than he would have done a year ago. Mount rumour has been the big one kind of this week, I guess. I mean, I don't like to talk a huge amount about transfer rumours because I think 90% of it is total nonsense. And I think probably Mason Mount's agent is trying to get him a new deal at Chelsea and get as much money as they can. But if it was true, would you be interested in taking Mason Mount? I have never been a lover of Mason Mount. I think he's a bit average. Uh, I think when he was... When he was... First in the England team about three years ago-ish, two, three years ago, and he was like a big thing and everyone was going on about it. I, I I made the prediction that he'll be playing for West Ham by his late 20s. Uh, so he's 24 now, so I've still got a few more years to, for my prediction to come true. Uh, I put a lot of weight, actually, into England performances for players, which I probably shouldn't do because England is a maybe a lower level than actual Premier League football. But I think, it, I think it's an indicator of how a team can settle into a, an unnatural environment and how much, like, they can thrive in that. And that's why I never really was a big fan of Sancho. That's why I didn't want Harry Maguire. I always thought Harry Maguire was a bit rubbish for England. I don't. I never really got the praise Harry Maguire got for England at all. It's just because he could seemingly move with the ball. The people was like, oh, look at this Harry Maguire charging out of defence. Like, well, he's not really charging out of the defence very comfortably, is he? Um, so, yeah, I'm not, I'm, not, I, I'm not convinced by Mount. Uh, I'm more convinced by Rice. I think Rice is an excellent player. Uh, anytime I see Rice at Old Trafford, I think he's brilliant. Um, I'd be very more than happy with Rice. It's just the price on that one. Uh, but you know, their best mates Rice and Mount, so maybe maybe getting Mount is the way to get Declan Rice. I think that's I think that's what maybe the approach is. Oh yeah, I think it's a long term strategy. Yeah, yeah, wonderful ways for our YouTube uh, and social media guys to create content with two best mates, childhood best mates. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Yeah, sounds good to me. No, no, no. I absolutely agree. Look, Declan Rice is a totally different level of player, but I'm sure he's going to cost double of what uh, Mason Mount might cost. Mm. Um, but yeah, striker is still the big one. The chat always seems to be kind of Kane versus the likes of Ossiman. But uh don't know if there's a few other names out there. We'll see. Like I say, I trust anyway Eric Ten Hag to do his thing over there. I, You know, you were saying rating the plays has gone. I think generally... He did pretty well in the transfer market. Oh, yeah, generally, yeah. I mean, we overspent on Anthony for absolutely sure, but he's still a decent player and he's done fitted quite well into the system and that kind of thing, which makes the difference. I say Martinez will be our big miss for that cup final. He And, you know, if he hadn't been missing now, I think there'd be a lot more chats about him and player of the year and things to be like fair, that. To less, less big now that Lindelof had decided to be a, a, a very good defender. 
Lindelof has um, done well. He has done well. He's been excellent. And um, quite, I have been a big, big. I mean, you have too, to I be have, fair. We've been big, big critics of Lindelof in the past, but I would say this isn't Lindelof of the past. This is a much more aggressive Lindelof. Um, really gets stuck in. I think he's grown about three inches. Um, he seems to be heading every single ball out of the box. I think he's been excellent. Um, and a, a, a lot of people say it's to do with not being next to Maguire, and hard to have an argument against that. He looks a lot more comfortable when he's with Shaw or Varane. Um, and I have no qualms with him starting the cup final now. Whereas I think when Martinez got injured, it was more, oh, we need Varane back so we can have Varane and Shaw in the back. Mm. But now it's definitely Varane, Lindelof and Shaw at left back and we kind of need Shaw at left back. Yeah, I agree with that. And yeah, I have been massively critical of Lindelof. I thought he was quite a weak link for us. I even though didn't think Maguire was brilliant, I had Maguire ahead of him. Uh, he's quite clearly pushed himself ahead of Maguire in the kind of pecking order. Um, like you say, you'd assume Harry gets a run out in this Fulham game just to see off and possibly it might be his last game for us. I would expect so. Although, yeah, a lot depends on him. If he's happy to sit around on the bench, I guess uh, Eric Tenag might be happy for him to be nah, a squad he, player. He's definitely gone. I don't see him wanting to sit around on the bench. And Also, he's the, he's one of the players we can get money for at the end of the day. You can, you can get 20, 30 million for Harry Maguire quite easily, I think. Yeah. And there'll be a lot of, lot of people lining up to take him. So I think it's a no-brainer that he goes in the summer. And since last time we recorded, Phil Jones has officially announced that he's leaving the club. He's had a horrific kind of last four years, I think something like 15 matches or something like that. I think he might have not played this year, even one minute. What did he, was it one or two appearances he had last year? Well, uh, yeah, what he played against uh, that 1-0 defeat against Wolves. And then I think he started the next game against Liverpool as well. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, look, it's been a real shame. He became a bit of a kind of comedy figure, which is a bit sad to kind of see. And I see him get a lot of flack, which I don't really like because if somebody's injured, they can't do anything about it. I don't Mm. really understand why players get loads of criticism when they're injured. Um, And I'm sure it's killed him as much as anybody to have had this kind of four years. People say, oh, yeah, but he sat around earning 100 grand a week. I'm sure he doesn't care. That's nonsense. I'm sure it's been an absolute killer for him and that he would give all that money back to have been able to play even like half of the time in the last two years. And I do think some people might forget and maybe even our younger fans don't even know that he was an absolutely outstanding young talent. Uh, You know, he came to us as a teenager. He went straight in the team. He played right back, he played defensive midfield, he played centre back and did them all really well. Uh, You know, there is the famous quote from Fergie saying that he could be one of our best players ever. And I don't actually think it was that ridiculous at the time. I mean, obviously, it's not worked out like that. Um, But, you know, he was a player, like I said, at 19 as well, players like manager like Fabio Capello was happily throwing him in for England. And I remember there was a quote from Fabio Capello saying like, I see him like Franco Baresi, a player that can easily play centre-back, can easily play centre-midfield and do both equally well. And I haven't had many players like that in my career. Uh, And that was when he was like 19, 20 years old. So, yeah, I think some people might forget how highly rated he was back then. But unfortunately, he was made of glass. Unfortunately, half of his career has been a total write-off. Even those years where he did play, he always had injuries all the way through. Uh, I mean, it's probably linked to the fact that he played a lot maybe too much when he was young and also was a player who was ready to put his body on the line, throw himself in front of every ball. Um, And yeah, it has been a totally killer four years from him, but yeah, he will move on now. I don't know if he'll get a chance to resurrect his career elsewhere. 
he could have had a testimonial, but apparently has turned that opportunity down. Yeah, it's a shame that I wouldn't. I wouldn't begrudge Phil Jones a testimonial. Um, I just can't, I can't. I can't imagine getting to. I mean, it was every every kid. Well, I say every kid, every football fan's dream when they're a kid is to be able to play professional football, and then to actually get there and then not be able to do it half the time must be. I mean, it must be a killer. Um, I can't. I'm. I haven't been able to play football properly for the last year, and it kills me mentally. Mm-hmm. Like I find it really tough not to be able to play football. Um, so I can't imagine that on a. That must be like times, times a thousand at a professional level. So yeah, it, it really difficult. So I think if if anyone wants to throw some sticker Phil Jones, I would I would urge you to reconsider really because he's just a human at the end of the day with human problems. And yeah, we shouldn't have given him that last contract maybe for five years, but that's not on Phil at the end of the day. He, you know, that, that was a club decision, and it's not on him that he he should have signed it absolutely. And then it's not not anyone calling him that or he should have terminated his contract. That's absolute nonsense. Yeah, you would not do the do same. That. You would not do the same thing. If anyone was saying, "Oh, he doesn't want to play football," ultimately he's been injured. Um, and yeah, you could, or you say, "Oh, why don't he relocate?" Well, one, there weren't clubs lining up to take on an injured player, and two, he's got a family to think about. At the end of the day, if he's say, I think he had that chance to go to Bordeaux in France, I think on a loan or something. And you're thinking, well, one, he's probably worried about being, being injured half the time, and then two, he's got to be away from his family while injured. Mm. And I mean, that's that's a lot to a lot to cope with. So. Yeah, I think you forget these players are humans at the end of the day and they've got human problems. So Yeah, and on uh, that last shame. contract as well, everybody always says, oh, crazy, crazy. But if you look, he actually pl- was playing relatively regularly at that point. Uh, I think it was Ole's first season and he played a fair bit for him over there. He was also in the England squad in the 2018 World Cup. He even played in that, um, I think it was a third and fourth place playoff back in the 2018 he played in that match so yeah he was playing for England he was playing relatively regularly for us so giving him a new contract was not crazy giving him a a five-year contract probably was crazy Um, but yeah he absolutely deserved a contract at that time but you know we are still paying for a lot of these players as I say they've only been relatively recently we got rid of the likes of Rojo so never mind (laughs) Phil Jones and we still have Eric Bailly kicking around somewhere I think you mentioned before Tellez I think isn't Eric Bailly still our player? Eric Bailly is still our player (laughs) yes I forgot about Uh, that so yeah he he could fetch at least two million so (laughs) yeah Yeah, so yeah there's others over there who've done much less for us than Phil Jones has but yeah he uh, along with De Gea he is that last link to our last title winning team um so yeah they're the last kind of two who are still standing from alex ferguson's time and our mm. winning team so yeah it is kind of now coming to officially the end of that era but yeah hopefully eric ten Hag can take us on a new era uh before we round off let's have a quick look at that fa cup final uh you know fulham is coming up i don't we kind of touched on it there isn't that much to say but yeah it's all about that cup final now uh, it's a week tomorrow, Saturday the 3rd. I will be there. Uh, actually, the third cup final I'm going to this year because there was a women's cup final and I saw us beat Newcastle there. So, yeah, kind of got my Wembley season ticket going now over there. So, yeah, uh, we're obviously the underdogs. But look, we have beaten City. I think everybody's just assuming that we're not going to win this game. I saw a thread up on uh, Red Cafe saying... Are you seeing this? What's more important to you? Actually winning the cup or stopping City from winning the treble? Uh, I mean, they're both, they're both quite important, I would say. Uh, level, level, level pegging. Yeah, I mean, 
I'd probably say actually to me it's actually more important stopping winning City winning that treble only because we have already won a trophy this year. If we hadn't, then it would be all about saying, listen, forget about City, we want our cup. But yeah, it takes extra importance because it is a Manchester derby. It takes extra importance because of that treble. And look, on a one-off game, we have a chance. As you say, my biggest worry was the centre-backs. You know, a few weeks ago when we lost Varane, when we lost that, I was like, oh my God, going into an FA Cup final, Haaland, whatever, against our makeshift centre-backs. But now, yeah, I'm feeling a lot more comfortable about that. Varane has got himself back to kind of fitness, although I do think he was quite a bit to blame for that late goal yesterday, but it didn't matter that much. So yeah, we'll let him off for that one. And as you say, Lindelof's in decent form, sure back in place. Rashford looks like he can just get himself back to full fitness just in time for that cup final only maybe like question mark on the right side we already touched on it talking about should we be changing our formation and packing the midfield so what you would go towards slightly changing it and just trying to hold pack that midfield and go for the counter I would I think uh, I think the Casemiro Oaks and Bruno midfield is more equipped to a game where you are going to see a lot of the ball and I don't think we'll be seeing a lot of the ball in this game um, so I think stuffing it, stuffing that midfield, having workers, having people can get around the pitch is probably our best bet. And then trying to catch them on the counter. Um, I think the good thing about Fred as well is he breaks forward quite quickly, um, from midfield. So I mean, I, I even said this: I wouldn't be adverse to starting Vout Veghorst. Um, not saying that we should. I wouldn't be averse to it just because again he can put the work in. And help out in midfield and, and drop back and, and, and get around the pitch a bit more than Martial would. Uh, not saying that's what we should do, just saying I wouldn't be averse to it. I would. Uh, but I do not want Mark Wake or starting this game. I mean, if you want somebody to do that, just be a big man running around getting away, then place Scott McTominay and I actually think that Scott McTominay can finish better than Mark Vegos can as well to be honest so yeah, I don't see any value in Mark Vegos whatsoever um, but yeah I would not be averse either to, yeah, bringing in, and especially if Anthony's out, then maybe it even forces the hand to push Bruno out wide, even though I don't like him playing wide. I think. But, but the thing is, he's not, he's not been great in his normal position these last two games. Even ye- yesterday, I don't think he had a great game. Um, he he yeah, hit he that scored. bar with that one shot, didn't he, where he probably yeah, should have put should, it away. Or passed it to Marshall. But um, yeah, I don't think he's been great recently. So, and yeah, I think, I just think for the. For what we need in midfield, I feel like, and, and the Anthony injury, I feel like moving him out wide probably might be the way we go. And ultimately, I mean, yeah, we beat City We beat City in, what, did we play him in December? December, I think it was, November, December time. Uh, and that was kind of at the time where City hadn't really kicked on this season. They were still like, Pep was trying stuff and sorting the team out a lot. And actually, back then, I think I said it at the time, I feel like that game, you played that game at Old Trafford, I feel like we win half the time and then maybe win the other half the time, but I feel like it was more level, we were, we were quite even level pegging then. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was actually January that we beat them. Um, but yeah, it was winter time over there. Um, yeah, look, we have um, a chance there. I mean, I was hoping that Arsenal would push City right to the end of the season to keep them busy, to keep them going, and they haven't done. So they can also be resting players and taking their time before this final. And they'll also have a week until their Champions League final. So it's not that they're going to be too worried about that either, unfortunately. So yeah, both teams should be kind of fully rested and have all their players in over there. So we'll see where we go there. Um 
I just still thought to think that they're on a day we can go with them. Ten Hag has shown in big games he can pull it out as well. You know, we've had a relatively good record, although we've also been spanked by Liverpool, by City. Uh, at the same time, you know, we've pulled out some good results in these games. So, yeah, I'm hopeful for that game. Yeah, it could, it, it could go. It could, we could get mauled. Could be 3 nils, 4 nil. But we again, again, we could nick it 1 nil. Could go to penalties. You just have to be hopeful, really. That um, I mean, we we are definite underdogs. If we lose, it's not a not a travesty that we've lost to Man City at the end of the day. But you just kind of hope we can pull it out. And it no. would be a, it would be an, I mean, it would be incredible to win this game. Like, it would be massive. Oh yeah, yeah. For so many reasons. For so many reasons. Like I said, Manchester derby, the treble, winning another cup. It's the significance I, it, goes it, off the it scale. It feels like the biggest cup final we've had since Fergie. Even though yeah. it's probably got the least. Not the least, but it doesn't have as much riding on it as, say, that Europa League game against Ajax or even arguably the game against Newcastle just now to win that first cup. Um, but it, 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 this one feels like the biggest. Well, of course, the last time we won the FA Cup was under Louis van Gaal. Yeah. Uh, he was fired basically straight after it. So showed, you know, put a big dampener on that one. Um, I do actually want to round off this show and I'm going to ask you a question. I know it's normally Imran's stupid game and we will do a proper big one of those in an upcoming show. Uh, but yeah, we. I want to give a shout out actually to Outsmarted. It's a new kind of game. We've been sent one of these over here to play, Outsmarted. Go and have a look at outsmarted.co.uk. Uh, it's kind of like... a new type of game where you get a board with players but it's all app based and you can play with other people in other places they basically released a new manchester united pack of questions around there which i've been having a bit of play with and it's actually a relatively decent level i thought oh it's going to be so easy i'm going to get all these because you know i like my trivia whenever you ask those questions i'm always ready for those competitions but there's a decent level to those questions they weren't as easy as i was expecting at all um and so yeah i've got one question for you just to that I pulled out from Outsmarted. And so look, last time we won the FA Cup was Louis van Gaal 2016. And you might know this off the top of your head. So yeah, there is a multiple choice answer, but I won't give you them to start with. But yeah, how many FA Cups have we won in total? Uh, is it 12? Bang on, bang on. Yeah. Well done. Uh, so we're actually second in the all-time list behind Arsenal, who've got 14. We yeah, were 14. ahead of them under Fergie. Uh, yeah. You know, in those late Fergie days, he didn't win many. And then we've only had that one in Van Hal in recent times. So Arsenal have overtaken us uh, up to 14. So, yeah, we do have a chance to get one closer to them. And behind us, I think there was Liverpool... Tottenham and somebody else who are on like eight. But yeah, so we're kind of a fair way ahead in the kind of second place. But yeah, outsmarted.co.uk. You can go and have a look over there. As I said, we are going to do a proper full round of Imran's stupid game using questions from Outsmarted. But yeah, they've got a special kind of Manchester United pack. That's what you do. You get the game and then you can buy different kind of rounds of quizzes online. Uh, They give some for free and some of them you can buy. So at the moment, there's a Man United question pack out there. So yeah, go and check that out. Um, but yeah, that's going to round us off over here. We will probably just only come back after that cup final now and round off the season. We Unless will something still... crazy happens against Fulham. 
unless something crazy happens, if, yeah, we want to record, we will want to try and do as well a kind of uh, season awards we've done in the past, you know, player of the year, goal of the year, moment of the year, all that kind of thing. We may fit that in midweek, but I don't want to promise it, especially because I'm kind of traveling myself midweek. So, yeah, we'll see what happens there. But we'll definitely be back after that cup final. You know, good luck to the women who, as I say, are finishing off their season with a small chance of getting a, the league title over there. The men will round it off on Sunday, but it's all about that cup final. We will be recording all through the summer as well. Uh, obviously, there'll be transfer news. We're still waiting for all that takeover stuff. So, yeah, and any questions and all you have for us, do come and hit us on Twitter or you can get us at unitedhour at gmail.com. Um, you know, we'll be taking a lot of questions to fill the kind of summer period. But yeah, look out as well, as I say. We often get asked for that Imran stupid game. But yeah, we will get one based on the outsmarted coming up. Uh, but yeah, I think that is it from us this week. We will see you on the next one. Cheers. Thank you for listening to United Hour. Remember to follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at United underscore hour. Please take the time to leave a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. United Hour is brought to you by the Sports Social Network and our theme song is by Ancient Feelings. To get in touch, please email unitedhour at gmail.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.